Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. I think that when it comes to mental health, like to, to view that through the lens of contribution, that if you are not addressing these things, if you're not being open and honest with others, you're, you're cheating others who could be helped through that. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes of veteran mental health. I'm your host, Dwayne France. Let's get ready to make sure that your headspace and timing is set correctly. Hey everybody, welcome to Headspace and Timing. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for checking us out. As many of you who serve know, the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal, is one of the greatest weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing isn't set right, however, it's just a huge chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing's not set correctly either. That's my mission here, to raise awareness about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week we'll talk about different aspects of veteran mental health and interview mental health professionals that are working with veterans, service members, and their families around the country. Hey folks, uh, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing Podcast. Really appreciate you joining us today. As you know, uh, during the month of November, uh, me and the other hosts of the shows on the Change Your POV Podcast Network are doing the Month of the Military Podcaster, which is pretty cool that we get to interview some of our fellow veterans uh, who are podcasters uh, and, and talk about our particular topics. And so, uh, today I'm bringing on a, a, a very prolific podcaster, uh, somebody that, that uh, uh, cranks out a lot of shows, maybe sometimes so hard to keep up, uh, but, uh, but Justin Nasiri uh, is a Navy veteran uh, and a podcast host and host of the Beyond the Uniform podcast. So, uh, Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, you were on my 58th episode, and it felt like at the time I was just getting my legs underneath me. So it's it's awesome to uh, see you doing your show, and I'm honored to be on it. Well, yeah, and I think that, uh, and this was a discussion we had. It's been almost a year, I think, since uh, since I was on your show. And uh, and as I'd mentioned before we talked, or, or yesterday, was you were sort of the cause of this. I had been on one podcast guest before, and then you had reached out because the podcasting for you was just, a t you were just going to try it out. And you had done a series of shows, and then you paused a little bit, and then you reached out to another group of us and said, hey, I'd like to start this all over. And now you're over, what, 120 more episodes? Yeah, yeah, I think I uh, just recorded 128. Yeah. So, uh, so then after that, I was like, wow, this podcasting thing might really actually be a thing. Uh, so I reached out to some other, um, some other podcasts uh, ended up on uh, the Change Your POV podcast as a guest, and then they brought me on as a host in this show because uh, there's not a lot of discussion about veteran mental health, especially not from a a practitioner and a veteran like I was. So uh, credit you. Uh, I'll give you all the credit, and I'll take all the blame. For, uh, <laughs> That's for a good deal. I'll, I'll take that. So, uh, talk to me a little bit about your show. Well, even a little bit about your military service. I mean, uh, and and we'll link in some different things um, later. But but a little bit about your military service, and then how you got started on the show and things like that. Yeah, I. Um, so my my background was went to the Naval Academy for undergrad, um, served on submarines, the USS Alaska, USS Chicago for five years. 
and loved the camaraderie, loved the leadership training, loved a lot about the military, but ultimately knew I wanted to um, go in a different direction, wanted to have a family eventually, wanted to just have a different sort of life. So for me, I went from the Navy directly into business school at Stanford, which was a really incredible experience. It gave me exposure to see all the different potential career paths out there. And most of them I'd never even heard of. Uh, at the Naval Academy and the Navy, I never really had exposure to all the different things that I could do as a civilian. And so um, my path from there was I started a company, raised about $3 million in funding. That's my, my full-time job right now, Storybox. But about a year ago, I just started thinking about my transition process and realized, you know, for me, going to business school was incredible, but it came at the cost of about $150,000. Mm -hmm. It came at the cost of about two years spent exclusively going to school rather than working. And I thought, you know, for other veterans, there's got to be a more efficient way. There's got to be a better way for them to figure out what they want to do in that second career, whether that's after 20 years of service or after five years of service. And I really like the show by Tim Ferriss, the podcast that he does. And basically, Tim just interviews world-class athletes and actors and business people and learns about how they got to where they are. And I thought, you know, that's a format that would work really well for veterans. So with Beyond the Uniform, I set out to just start interviewing different veterans. And the intention was to spotlight all the different potential careers that veterans could have. And that's everything. I mean, I've, I've interviewed the CEO of Pepsi, NFL players, Academy Award nominees, sports photographers, any possible career you can think of, there's some veteran who's doing it. And the goal was to just not to spotlight those veterans, but also get advice on how they got there and advice for other veterans who want to go that path. And so that's what I do with Beyond the Uniform. It's just a side project, but it's been a tremendous uh, learning experience for me and a lot of fun along the way. No, I really like some of your episodes, and I was uh, I was telling I listened to one of the recent ones where uh, the, your buddy who did uh, uh, trips around the world on his motorcycle, <laughs> um, and I was thinking I could do that in a jeep. That would be, you know, but then it, you know we all have lives and stuff. So it was a, uh, and and so it was. It's really great. You have a very diverse set of uh, of guests. But it, it comes to mind, you know, a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And you're providing uh, examples of, you know, mistakes or successes, but you're helping other veterans learn from other veterans, which is really in the military. That's how we learned was from our mentors and our peers. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love that quote. I'm going to have to write that down. I think it's, I feel almost late to the game on this where, um, you know, especially with entrepreneurship, I would meet up with friends and I'd, I would say like, oh, it's it's such a painful way to learn because my experience with entrepreneurship is you just make so many mistakes. You make thousands of mistakes a day. It's very public. It's very messy. And it's a, it's a painful way to learn, but it sticks with you because you get these battle wounds and these scars. And I, I realized in the last couple of years, I'm like, that's one way to learn. Or you can also learn from those who have gone before you. You can learn from books and podcasts, and you can learn from events and conferences. There's so many ways to borrow experience from other people. And there's a great quote that I like that's, um, success leaves clues. And it's like, you know, no matter what you want to do, whether that's real estate, whether that's entrepreneurship, whether that's investment banking, you can study those who have been successful and learn. You can jump, you can shortcut and save yourself years and really learning what they did to succeed and going after it in a more efficient way than just falling in all these pitfalls yourself. Yeah, I mean, and, and I like how your approach, it, yours isn't necessarily an entrepreneurship-focused uh, podcast, um, but it is, it, it's a transition podcast uh, or, or, or a demonstration of transition podcast if we were to, to identify that. And, and you've learned a lot, personal lessons uh, from... Uh, from your guests. Uh, I, I referenced uh, an article you wrote in Task and Purpose, Five Things No One Tells You About Getting Out of the Military, right? And these are, and even in there you say, out of all of these guests that I've learned, these are some things that are common amongst the guests. Did you expect that to have, that you would find these commonalities among these diverse guests whenever you started this? 
I I was I was hoping to find commonality. I think I was surprised by the commonality that I found that 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 turned out to be more about mindset than skill set. And I I think my part of my hope was in interviewing these people I would learn like hey like how did they figure out what they wanted to do or how did they accelerate that process? And it was less about individual experiences. It was less about I read this book, and it was more about um, common challenges that they faced in the transition and changes they made in their mindset that allowed them to to figure out what they were going to do or to get there faster. So that that was surprising for me is that so much of the commonality was around uh, you know like one of them I think in that article is that veterans hate selling and it's so crucial. And, you know, I often think of in an interview, if you've got a vet lined up against someone who's been doing a, a, another civilian job for five years and they're both interviewing for the same position, that civilian is going to have no problem singing their praise. They're going to have no problem boasting about their accomplishments. And from the 128 interviews I've done so far, most veterans will have difficulty with that. They will be great talking about their team. They will be great talking about their unit, but they'll downplay their own accomplishment. They'll downplay their own contribution to that unit because it's been drilled into them to to, to think of the unit, to think of the greater part rather than themselves. And so for a veteran, even if they, you know, if they were to turn up and dial up the volume and selling themselves, it's still going to come across as humble. And that was like a, a realization, like just one of many of, you know, for, for veterans, selling is going to be so crucial. And even if they were to dial that knob all the way to 11, <laughs> it's still going to come across as like a three on the person interviewing them. And, um, you know, one of the, another thing that came out of those conversations is just shifting that mindset that for veterans, you know, they're used to selling. You know, let's say they're a, a chief or they're a division officer and they've gone into a meeting to fight for their one of their, their guys or gals to get a good performance rating. They have sold on behalf of that person. They have sold why this person deserves a promotion. And that's that's just selling. It's just it's just putting a different wrapper inside the military. You know, I, I see that with uh, the veterans I work with in, in mental health as well, is that it's not me, it's my brother. You know, it, you know, no matter what detriment or what hardship I went through, it was not as bad as someone else. And so I don't deserve to give myself time. I have veterans be like, well, I don't want to take up your time. Um, I'm sure you have other veterans that you can see in this hour. It's, it's a very, it's selflessness, which is a, a, a very common trait in the military. Um, but but as you indicate in in their transition in employment, they can take it too far. It can be a de- detriment. Uh, and as I see it, um, you know, my shield covers my brother when it's good. But then sometimes my shield needs to cover myself, or sometimes I need to promote myself um, to to be able to advance and get what I want. Yeah, and it's you know, there's lots of different analogies that I've heard. I, I think that the Airline one is overused, but I think it's very true, which is, you know, you they talk about putting the oxygen mask on yourself and then on the child. And um, I think we can all think of a, you know, probably mother or aunt or someone in our family who is the notorious one who's always taking care of everyone else and they're never taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's not good for anyone. That person gets burnt out or they get resentful or they don't take care of themselves. And for the short term, that can work. For the long term, it's not an effective strategy. And so, you know, one thing that I, I think that a lot of the people I interview have had to work on is exactly what you said, is not feeling bad about taking care of themselves. And I think that we we are a group of people who will literally break through walls. We will go through unfathomable circumstances in service of our of our our co-workers of our friends of our of our fellow brothers and sisters in arms like we, there are people who have literally taken bullets for those people and i think that's an incredible trait and i think that's a very well developed muscle and now it's about building up the other muscle which is is taking care of yourself and looking out for your own interests and your family's interest and doing that in a way that doesn't feel 
uh, negative that doesn't feel like you're shortchanging those around you because the truth is if you're taking care of yourself and your family, you're going to be better equipped and better able to take care of those around you. And um, it's, it's something I've had to work on and I think a lot of the people on my show have had to work on that as well. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to bring you on, and, and, I, and I interviewed uh, Jay Knight, and I'm going to try to bring Joe Crane on. And so a lot of the veterans who are podcasting, they're, they're, I'm hearing the same things. Each of you were talking about veteran mental health without that being the subject of your show, but it kept cropping up um, because it is such a fundamental aspect of, of success. You know, everybody think when veteran mental health, they think about PTSD or TBI, but what you're talking about is something very different. Um, it, it's talking about shifting the mindset. It's talking about learning how to meet old needs in new ways um, to be able to adapt uh, to our environment. And, and, and I, I really think it's interesting that you were able to, you know, I think I went through a list of your, your shows and, and, and you probably have 10 or 15, maybe 20 shows, almost 20% of what you're, you're doing that talk specifically about veteran mental health, PTSD in some way. Uh, and so I think it's really interesting that that kind of emerged out of your guests. Yeah, I, I, I am a huge advocate of the mental health space. And I think that the biggest, one of the biggest obstacles for people, not just veterans, is they view, uh, you know, they, there's a stigma around mental health where it's like in order to do that, I have to be broken. In order to do that, there needs to be some sort of massive problem. And I think with veterans, it's even harder because it's like, it's, 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 it's perceived as if I do this, I can't do it on my own. And doing it like independence, autonomy are massive values for veterans. In, in my experience, for me, it has been in, in the people I've interviewed. And, you know, I for years have been an advocate of personal therapy, couples therapy, um, lots of different forms of mental health help. And the, the way that I view it, and, and when I speak with these people on the show or, or when I listen to these uh, interviews from you know Tim, uh, Tim Ferriss when they talk to people who are operating at the highest level, it, it strikes me as if you were going to compete in the Olympics and you're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm going to do this completely on my own. I'm going to train on my own. I'm going to do this in isolation. I'm not going to have a coach. I'm not going to have a team. I'm just going to do this on my own. And and my thought on that is that it is virtually impossible for you to do that. Like Michael Phelps has a team. He has multiple coaches. He has multiple trainers. He has people watching his stroke. He has people watching his training, his diet, his nutrition. He has people who are weighing in on every aspect of his life because he knows if he really wants to operate at the highest level, he has to have outside observers. He has to have experts who are helping him. And my experience with mental health, with therapy, with counseling, with personal growth, it's just getting more coaches, more advocates in my corner who can help me figure out these obstacles, figure out the blind spots, figure out the things that are holding me back. And so, you know, if I were to have one message to veterans, it's to approach these things and these subjects not as a sign of weakness, but as a sign of wanting the most, to wanting to compete in the 99th percentile of really wanting to be their personal best. And you can't do that alone. And I, I can think of countless examples where, I mean, literally today, I have, a, I have an executive coach that my company pays for that I meet with on a weekly basis. And I have a, a post-it note over here of the things I'm working on with him where it's obstacles that hold me and the company back. And it's thinking through that. And it's not that this person has the answers. This person has the questions to ask. This person has enough distance where we can get so mired in our own world and our own head and our own problems that even just having someone who's not emotionally involved who can stand at a distance and say like, hey, this is what I'm seeing or here's a question for you to think about, it unhinges me to, to find the answers and it, it allows me to run faster and move more agilely to compete at a higher level. And I think that's exactly, uh, that's a great description of what uh, clinical mental health counseling is, working with a therapist is, is having a disinterested observer that is able to point out sort of, uh, you know, based on my clinical experience, my clinical training, I have a certain level of 
of expertise and, and understanding about, you know, uh, techniques and theories and things like that. But I also have, uh, I, I'm, I'm an experienced nexus. And so if I see eight veterans throughout the day, I see these common things throughout each of these eight veterans, but I'm able to bring to one veteran and say, what you're going through is extremely common and this is how i've seen other veterans address this maybe in a better manner or worse manner um, and so uh, clinical mental health counselors have sort of the the training and the experience to be that disinterested observer uh, uh, last year maybe a little bit before that uh, i was working with a group of spouses in which the spouses had questions about what their service member went through but they can't ask their service member because they're too close or too emotionally close but they can ask me because i'm i'm not emotionally close to them and so they can say well why does he do this i said well this is you know this is why you know we get up at three in the morning this is what soldiers do and stuff like that similarly they could ask things of me and i could talk to them because they're not my wife i wouldn't be able to have that candid of a conversation with my wife because of the emotional connection and how close it is and so that's a great example of you're talking about veteran mental wellness as opposed to veteran mental illness. And a lot of veterans, when we talk about veteran mental health, they think about that, that it's about illness, it's about a detriment, it's about PTSD and TBI and the crazy combat vet. And what you've seen throughout all your guests are, is what I'm hearing is there's a way to get beyond zero to a place of wellness, and mindset is a huge part of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I... um. I mean, my my wife and I. That's that's one of our things that we do together. We go to like workshops about business stuff, about personal stuff, about growth. We we seek out. We both have our own therapist. We both have our own coach. We I have a men's group. Like we're both very big advocates of like you had said at the start. It's like about borrowing knowledge, borrowing experience, having having people that are headed in the same direction and helping you get there faster. And um, it's just, I, I like the way you put that. It's like, it is more about like wellness. And it's, it's the type of thing where I remember someone asking me at one point, it's like, okay, great. So you, how long are you going to do this for? And then you're fine. And it's like, it's not, it's like the wrong way to be viewing this. It's like, look, I hope and I aspire that every single year I'm better than I was previously. And that means that every single year I'm going to be facing tougher and more difficult challenges. I'm going to be having to overcome bigger obstacles every single year. It's like it's like asking someone at the gym, like, oh, okay, great, you're going to go to the gym and then next month you're fine, right? It's like, no, you're constantly adding more weight. It's not like you accomplish. It's not like a check in the box. You are constantly growing and getting stronger, and there's no endpoint to that. And so it's like I, I view. Let's just take like my my executive coach that I work with. It's not solving a one-time problem. It's about finding bigger challenges. It's about finding more complex questions. And it's as I accomplish something, it opens up a whole new world where now I need to figure out bigger challenges and so the thought of growing out of this i think is the wrong mindset it's it's about a lifestyle it's adapting to every single day trying to be better than the previous day every year growing and that's why i i view it as almost like a support team it's like having you know that the, the individual players may come and go there's therapists i've worked with in the past and coaches that i work with in the past that i no longer work with but I have a different support team now. It's finding different skill sets to help me overcome the obstacles wherever I'm at. And, um, you know, there's a, a book here on my shelf that one of my guests had. I know your listeners won't be able to see it, but it's called The Slight Edge. Um, I really love this, this book because, you know, a lot of what Jeff Olson talks about in this book is it's, it's just committing to do things every single day that over the long run make you into a better person physically, mentally, spiritually. And, um, you know, when I think of mental health, I think of that as one component of making that commitment to keep on showing up even when you don't feel like it. And over time, that helps you grow into a better person who can solve more difficult challenges and overcome more difficult obstacles. Yeah, you, on your, your, you've recently started your skills um 
uh, shows or skills episodes, and I, I just listened to the recent one I think about that you were talking about uh, the slight edge, and so we'll we'll link to that in the group. It reminds me of of a parable of a man that's in a deep pit and sand is pouring in, um, and uh, and if the man just stands there or stands there, and the sand will eventually reach to his knees and his waist and up to his neck, and he'll be buried. Uh, bit, but if every once in a while all he does is stand, take one step up on top of the stand, sand, eventually he's going to get out of the pit. That the sand is going to build up and he's going to be able to, when he can, make those small measures and then be able to, to get up and out. And, and that's what you're talking about, again, is getting above zero. You know, again, everybody thinks veteran mental health is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm isolated. I, I, you know, PTSD makes me... Um, you know, jump at the sounds and things like that. Whereas, say, if that's a detriment and that's below zero, that there's techniques that you can get to be, to be back to a baseline, but you're talking about building above zero, so building a life of, of, of success in spite of these experiences. And you've had some guests on there that have really done that. You know, I, I think one of the biggest ones was uh, David Smith, episode 84. Uh, David was, was brutally honest about his... Uh, his experiences with uh, with mental health. Yeah, I mean, David is a uh, David's a rock star, and I I didn't know um, going into the conversation where we would go. I had no no insight into his background, and we were you know talking just like this. And he talks about yeah, and that's how I ended up in my bedroom with a shotgun in my mouth. And it was like holy shit! I had no idea this was this was part of his story, and. I would be curious to hear from people who have heard David's story. For me, when I hear that, I mean, Dave, I had a lot of respect for David in that interview, but when I hear him say that, he he goes from like already a good stance to this giant in my mind. To, to have someone who's has the courage to talk about that experience and to talk about that struggle I think that takes a tremendous amount of character for him to be willing to do that and to know that he is he has experienced that and overcome that you realize the depth of character that he has. So I think David's a great example of someone who not only grappled with that in a major way and overcame that but also someone who's willing to talk about that experience. And what I found is that when someone, you know, um, uh, Brene Brown is, is kind of the popular person today, her TED Talk on vulnerability, I, I think that oftentimes, and I, I, I would guess for David this is true, when he thinks about being vulnerable and talking about that experience, there's this fear that he'll be judged. There'll be, there's this fear that someone will hear that and think less of him. When in my experience, and I think usually someone hears that vulnerability and it's the opposite. You're like, oh my God, what an incredible person that they would be willing to be vulnerable and open up about that. And uh, yeah. No, and I agree. I, I think that uh, David um, is a great example of someone that is very open and, and that's how stigma is broken down. You know, I, I heard someone describe once that, you know, secrets of the termites of the soul, right? You know, if we hold them inside and then they just start to, to break us down. But if you get it out, and like David is, and he's a, a very uh, a vocal advocate, he's told his story in, in even more, even greater detail than he did on your show. Um, but, but that's the what's needed is for veterans to come out and speak, and veterans to come out and explain that you know, yeah, this is we're, we we serve in an inherently dangerous occupation. Uh, you were in a. Uh, a steel cigar tube underneath the ocean. I mean, you were. I mean, it was. It was about you know. Some people look at uh, you know being a submariner as uh, as jumping out of airplanes. Why would you even do that, right? It takes a different. I mean, it's an inherently dangerous thing that we do in the military, uh, and then natural things happen in the course of that. So why don't we talk about that? Um, I have this idea of why why isn't talking about veteran mental health as common as talking about the weather? Uh, because it is as common as the weather. When you good days, bad days, sunshine and rain. Um, but there's still this stigma. And then David's example of coming out and saying, no, this is the reality and this is what happened. Um, and, and I think what you said about veterans or, or David fearing the judgment, that's what keeps veterans from speaking out. That's what keeps them from doing what David did. 
uh, and and saying, you know, this is this is the reality, and this is really what's happening. It, and I I think you know, going back to what you said at the start of the show, I think that one potential way to approach this is um, to to recognize for for veterans listening, contribution is it is a it is a major value for those who have served in the armed forces. They have made contribution to their country. They've made contribution to families they'll never meet in protecting their freedom. They've made contribution to their peers, their co-workers, their brothers and sisters in arms, where they are doing anything to keep them safe and to, to help them out. I, I think that when it comes to mental health, like to, to view that through the lens of contribution, that if you are not addressing these things, if you're not being open and honest with others, you're you're cheating others who could be helped through that. Like like if I, I'm not I'm not putting this well, but it's like had David not had the courage to speak about his struggle with PTSD, to speak about his tr- struggle with suicide. He's cheating all of the veterans, and there's there's about a thousand people who have listened to his podcast at this point. He's cheating those thousand people who are going to be benefited from hearing that story, from hearing his vulnerability, from hearing his success. And so, I think that might be another way for someone listening to view this: is that 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 they're seeking help, they're seeking you know growth. That is an act of contribution to their friends family and fellow veterans who need them to step into that role that need them to stand up and speak about their experience and i think that's a very critical aspect of what what we saw in the military is that mentorship piece and you were talking about how the chief is advocating for their subordinates to have a better rating or you know or whatever it was but that's something that was so critical for us in the military you said that we're we were um uh, you know, self-advocating, we're self-starters and things like that. But in the military, we didn't do it alone. Uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I had, you know, uh, my crew in my truck, the trucks in front of me left and right. I had battle space owners. I had aircraft right above me, drones over that, F-16 over that. I mean, I was surrounded by, um, you know, the might of the military for miles around. Um, and so nobody was ever truly alone. We always had that support network that was there. And then your idea of where you said is individuals may move in and out, but but the the occupation is there. Uh, well, when when you went on a, a tour or whenever I went to a new duty station, it wasn't the same supply sergeant or it wasn't the same engine repairer or raider man for you. Um, but the position was there, so you knew that that individual was there to be able to take care of whatever your need was, so you could focus on on yours. Uh, and so the it's almost a, a fallacy of isolation where a veteran gets out of the military and thinks, well, I need to do this on my own. But then they tend to forget that, well, that's not how I operated in the military. Mm. And so others modeled good and bad. We had good and bad leaders, of course. When we were in the military, I know I did. I'm certain you did. How not to lead and how not to be a leader. And so we tend to forget how to to respond to someone else's modeling what good behavior is. And I think that's one thing you do well in, in your shows is to really bring that out is how does that translate to how, how can a veteran follow this sort of framework if they want to do this? I, I love that. I hadn't actually thought of that too. That's like so true, which is um, you do take for granted. It's like it's the, the entire time in your service, you do have this team surrounding you. You are constantly you know, you've got people handling logistics and medical and dental and every single facet of your life, you've got that team. And it's 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 important to remember that you had that team. And that it's, it's funny because I do think a lot of times of veterans as independent, as autonomous, as like being able to work through things, which is true. And it's like adopting that mindset of like, hey, in the, in the military, I had this team to support me and finding that on the other side as well. The, the other thing that jumped out to me as you were saying that was... Um, you know, I think for myself, and I think for most of the people I interview, we thrive on obstacles that seem impossible. And like, if it was like physically breaking through a wall or overcoming some obstacle, that's our go-to, that's our forte, that's our wheelhouse, that's where we thrive. 
and it's it's I think you know in the last five years I think more and more about like what's harder what what takes more skill what takes a different set of muscles that we have to develop is what is something that's equally scary but the exact opposite of that like I think of um, you know an argument I had with my wife recently and it's like it's I'm in a situation where it's like man if I had to go like get in a fight or get in a physical confrontation I'd be down for that I could do that but what what it takes in this situation is a different sort of courage which in this case was me saying like hey I'm really scared like I'm scared that I'm gonna say something that's gonna cause you to leave me and that's what's you know this is coming out of it is anger in our argument but what's underneath this is this fear of losing you and it took every ounce of strength and courage I had to be vulnerable and admit that fear. And when I do, completely shifts the conversation. It leads to connection. It leads to us problem solving. It leads to everything that I'm wanting. And it's just, I'm not able to articulate this well, but it's like, I feel like I, I see those situations in all of these interviews I do, which is we as veterans are used to solving a problem in a certain way that's physical and that requires shoving aside our fears and shoving aside our emotions and just powering through and white knuckling it and that's a great asset to have and what i would throw out is that something that might even be a bigger challenge something that might take even more courage something that might take even more tenacity is the opposite is of admitting fear is admitting weakness is admitting the need for help and that that might be even more terrifying. I've, I've had people on the show say this. It's like even more terrifying than running through an area that's being shattered with bullets. Yeah. It's like running, it's like takes more courage than going into a burning ship or going into a burning car and pulling someone out. And that's, that's this, um, that's this thing that I can't get my head around, which is like in one area we have unlimited strength and courage but like viewing the opposite is true of like viewing that like being, you know, it takes just as much courage, if not more for your typical veteran to, to just say like, hey, I need help or hey, I'm really struggling with this. Right. And, and what you're, you're talking about is uh, avoiding an obstacle that we're not used to overcoming. And that's, uh, you know, we're, we're used to overcoming, as you said, the, the large physical obstacles. As you were talking, it reminded me of a recent conversation that I had with the veteran as we're working. Uh, and he says that uh, the concern is, um, is not that, um, you know, I, I have these actions or behaviors, but not engaging in these behaviors such as hypervigilance and things like that it makes me feel vulnerable and I don't like that. And so I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. And, and, and it's like, okay, if that's what you want to do, but it's like we veterans, we have this sort of off limits areas in our, our lives. And maybe it has to do with emotions. Maybe it has to do with memories. And anytime we get close to that, we veer away from that because we don't want to feel that uncomfortability. And and so and and you said you were struggling to explain it, but it, it's very accurate from my viewpoint as a clinical mental health professional. Uh, it's what veterans do, um, and and I know that this was uh, this is about your show, but but what you're talking about is a, a blog that I wrote on the the Headspace and Timing blog about are you willing to do anything to overcome obstacles, but willing to do something opposite? Like are you willing to put other people's needs before your own in order to manage that obstacle? To, to let them get over that obstacle or let somebody else manage that obstacle so you're not the one breaking through. Willing to let go of your hang-ups uh, in order to see the bigger picture. Are you willing to stop focusing on what should be, you know, this shouldn't be this way, instead of focus on what is. And so it's a, if, by a, by overcoming the obstacle, by by not even acknowledging the obstacle and, and, and just doing it in a totally different way. It's sort of like, you know, we're sitting here, we're trying to push the donkey, but what if you pull the donkey or, or lead the donkey and then they'll follow you. It's, it's figuring out how to, how to overcome these obstacles in a different way that I think veterans, they see it as losing a part of themselves, but it's actually gaining a, a, a different skill set. I, I couldn't agree more. I, the, the framework I think of more than anything else in work and in personal life right now is there is like this 
zone of comfort. This is like the area that we succeed, and this is where we feel really good. This is, you know, with our friends. This is in our our job. This is where we just own everything going on, and we're really comfortable. Um, and then you've got beyond that a bigger circle, which is that area of discomfort where we don't know anyone at a party or a networking event, where we don't know what we're doing in a job, where we're using words and language that we haven't done before, where we're in the gym doing a completely new exercise. We don't know what we're doing, where our form is off. And what I've realized is, you know, every good thing in my life, every moment of growth, every epiphany, every breakthrough, everything worthwhile that I've done in my life has been in that zone of discomfort. Um, they'll talk about it in grad school, they talked about it as the zone of proximal development. Or Tony Robbins will talk about it as like the edge of your comfort zone. But it's just like, it's been a breakthrough for me to realize that like when I'm in that warm jacuzzi, when I'm in that area where I'm completely comfortable and dominant, nothing, no growth occurs there. It feels great, I feel confident, but I'm not growing. Um, I, I recently broke my hand mountain biking and mountain biking is an incredible sport, but I'm thinking of like, you know, if, if you're going on the same terrain with mountain biking or skiing, if you're going down the same path every single time, you are not growing as an athlete. But the times when I, you know, if this was a video game, when like a plus two experience point would pop over my head is when I'm going down a terrain I've never been down before. And I'm like terrified. I'm still in control, but I'm like barely in control. That's where the growth comes. And, you know, in this in this setting of, of talking about mental health, I, I view it from, you know, think of where you're comfortable. You're probably comfortable like we've talked about. You're comfortable putting others first. You're co comfortable pushing through obstacles, you're comfortable suppressing how you're feeling and powering through. And I would challenge you is like, what's going to take you to the next level, what's going to take you to the next round is going to be outside of that comfort zone. And, and you have to think of what terrifies you or what makes you uncomfortable. And that's probably going to be working with a professional. That's probably going to be admitting areas where you're struggling. That's probably going to be asking for help in areas that you, even even admitting that you need help might be out of your comfort zone. And if you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable with any of the things we're talking about, I would say that's worth shining a, a flashlight on. In the last, what, 40 minutes that we've been talking, if there's an area that you're pushing back on and an area that you think like, no way, that's probably an area that's worth exploring. Yeah. And, and maybe the, the last thing I'd say is that I think that why working with someone who's, who does this for a living is so valuable is they're going to be someone to pull you out of that or gently nudge you out of that comfort zone. And that's where all the good stuff comes from because they have that experience. And like Dwayne was saying, like you can, you, you, there are trends amongst veterans. And having someone who has insight into those trends and has seen this in dozens and dozens of other veterans, they're going to help you get there faster. Now, I really like that idea of that, that comfort zone uh, because, in, and as you said, most veterans are used to operating in that comfort zone, uh, maybe in an aggressive way or maybe in a shut-off way, and that's how they're comfortable acting or, or performing. Um, and and uh, it, to go back to David, not necessarily, but but um, David and I actually connected as a result of your episode. I reached out to him, and he and I had a great conversation. Uh, eventually, going to bring him on the show here um, to talk about the mental health aspect. But he said something that was very clear and even more concise than than how I explained it, or, or maybe even how you did. And we were talking about how you know we had no fear going through the door. Uh, when when we were deployed in Iraq or Afghanistan, you know there was we we knew we didn't know what was on the other side of that door in Iraq or Afghanistan, but we still did it because we had our crew with us and we could call. Um, but we were certain we could handle what was on the other side of that door. But yet on the other side of the therapist's door or on the other side of the psychiatrist's door, well, I'm not going in that door. Uh, and, and I kind of and I, I I use that analogy for him. And David said. It's a lot easier to kick down doors than it is to talk about kicking down doors. Hmm. He said, I will kick down doors all day long, but it took a long time for me to actually learn how to, to talk about. And that's, ta that's exactly what you're talking about is that, that proximal goal, you know, what is that, that zone of uncomfortability. I'm really good at the action, but talking about the action is a little more difficult. It's, and I think it's, 
it's it's hard for me to get my head around because it's like for most members of active of, of of the armed forces, their comfort zone is just so wild. Like that, you know, like a Navy SEAL, their comfort zone is like rushing in and like solving unreal circumstances. And most most people on our on active duty, their comfort zone is the 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 zone of discomfort for 99.9% of the population. Yeah, absolutely. It's like what what they're so familiar with, most people would never go near that. And so it's just wild cuz like that, that that's where they're comfortable, but it makes it even more compelling to say like, okay, great, you're dominating this area that 99% of the population would never have the courage to be able to do. Now now use that courage to step out of that comfort zone. And like you said, I love that. That's such a great phrase. Like talking about breaking down the door, that might actually require more courage and that might take more vulnerability than actually breaking down the door. But if you're really wanting to grow, if you're really wanting to expand as a person, that's where you got to go next. You got to go where there's the fear. You got to go where there's that discomfort. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and and it's it's great to hear, and I, I that 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 has emerged from a lot of your guests, and and I can tell that that's that's a, a common theme um, about pushing these boundaries and getting into that place of discomfort. Um, that uh, that that that's where the growth happens, um, and and that's where again I think that that a lot of people are talking about veteran mental health, and they don't even know it, they don't even realize it. Uh, you were you were telling me uh, earlier about uh, before we started recording about a new project that you have going on um, and and how mindset plays into it. So if you talk about that a little bit, yeah, I'm doing a new experiment. I'm just doing the first group right now. I, I've called it reprogramming, and the the premise of this was um, you know the, there's the podcast that uh, comes out every single week. There's a lot of data and research that I've got on my website, like. Um, I looked at, I cross-referenced LinkedIn data with salary information to see like, hey, based on how long someone serves in the military, what careers do they go into? Just looking at the data. So the third thing that I wanted to look at is what I started to call reprogramming. And my thought with that is that the military does an exceptional job of taking civilians and programming us to become warriors. That's what boot camp is all about. That's what your military training is all about. It's about taking someone who has no military experience and turning them into, I don't think there's any better word than warriors. And as good as that is, I think the military does a pretty awful job of reprogramming these warriors at the end of their service, be it three years or 30 years, of reprogramming them to be successful civilians. Um, one of the most common phrases on the show in the 128 interviews is how dissatisfied people are with the the TAPS, the Transition Assistance Program. I think that's what it stands for. Yep. The TAPS program, that week-long process that for me, I it was partly me. I, I go to this training and I'm like not on the boat, so I'm just doing other work. I'm checking email. I'm like reading books. I'm doing anything I can to not do this training. And in a lot of ways, the training is not sufficient for today's job environment. So my intention with reprogramming was to put together a six seminar online. It's like an online video seminar uh, with 10 different veterans where each week we get together and we talk about um, a different topic. One of the topics is understanding the career landscape and industries, functional roles, geographic locations. One of the, the modules was about how to reach out to people, how to find people to, to ask them questions about what they do, how to prepare for interviews, different topics like this. All that said, we're, we're coming up right now this Monday to the fourth session, which is the whole reason I did it, which is mindset. And in my view, that one topic is the crux of this reprogramming seminar. And it's about shifting your mindset. It's about realizing the blind spots that hold us back. And, and a great quote that I, ha that I like, um, this is from Tony Robbins as well, but he talks about with entrepreneurship. He says, entrepreneurship is 90% psychology and 10% skill set. Right. And that's been my experience as well, which is mind-blowing, which is, you know, the things that hold me and my company back are rarely that I don't have some sort of marketing skill or sales skill. It's that I 
have some sort of mental block that prevents me from asking the higher sales point or uh, the price point for the to, to close the contract or that prevent me from shifting my thinking to realize a whole nother um, opportunity that we could go after as a, as a company. And I think that's true for veterans in this transition is that most of what they need to do is think about their mindset. That's 90% of cracking the nut. And the 10% of interview and attire and resumes, that's things that they're going to be able to do. But the 90% is really that mindset. But many people who want to try to support those things, they focus on the 10% and they don't realize uh, how much attention needs to be had to the 90%, which was really the premise of this podcast and, and the, the seminars that I do. I did a couple over these past couple days. You know, if we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, of course, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to bring it back into psychology away from business whenever, yep. you know, say, but, but how we met those needs. And if you look at that sort of pyramid in your eye, well, there's a foundation that that's built on and it's veteran mental health. And so if there's cracks in those foundations, such as PTSD or traumatic brain injury or substance abuse or family challenges or moral injury and all of these other things, if there's cracks in that foundation, the house, the pyramid is not going to be as stable as it could be. And mm-hmm. so once a, and, and this is what I'm trying to do, and, and it's great to hear that that's sort of independently, that's what you came up with. This is the foundation. If you get your mind right, if you get, if you become mentally well, um, if you become more functional instead of less functional, then you will be more successful and you will be able to continue to improve. So I, I completely I, agree. Yeah. And I, I love what you had, you had said earlier. Um, you had said a word that I'm trying to eliminate from my vocabulary, which is you had talked about veterans thinking about what they should or shouldn't do. And I think a value that all of us have from the military is integrity. And I've just started to realize in the last couple of years there are so many ways in my life that I'm dishonest and that I lack integrity. And, and, and where I've realized that that's true is when I think that things should be a certain way or shouldn't be a certain way, rather than just being honest about the way that they are. And so, you know, for me, I'll think like, well, I shouldn't have fear about this or I should just be able to do this rather than like really having the courage and honesty to say like, Hey, maybe that's the way it should. Maybe there's some mystical book or, or, or text that says it should be that way. But for me, it's not true. You know, it should be easy for me to do this, but it's not. I'm going to be honest. This is actually really difficult for me. And, um, you know, I think that for one of the things that's come through in these interviews is a lot of, you know, I, I, I was on a metal cigar, as you said. I think that's a great phrase. I was on a submarine I was not shot at. I was, you know, we had, it was more danger than 99% of the population will ever face, but compared to the military, I wasn't shot at, I wasn't in harm's way, I wasn't, you know, running from burning buildings, and so, you know, my mindset is like, okay, well, great, you know, someone else, someone who did that has PTSD, someone who did that has things that they need to sort out, and I'm good. And I, my personal take is that I think that anyone who goes through the military, there's a lot there. There's a lot that, you, you know, you go from high school, you go through boot camp. There is trauma that occurs in that. There's a lot that, that um, is worth looking at. And so I think that sometimes we, you know, we, we, put, we say like, hey, I shouldn't need help on this because I didn't go through that. I think that people listening, even if you weren't in Iraq, Afghanistan, there's still plenty there that you probably, there's like, you'd said cracks in your foundation. There's probably blind spots that you have from your military experience that it's worth working with someone to figure out because that will ultimately hold you back from being your personal best. Absolutely. That, uh, those, you know, the, the traps, the trap of should and, and doubt, uh, don't eliminate it from your vocabulary because use it as a, a sign that, you're not seeing the world accurately. I mean, that's, yeah. and that's what I, I work with my veterans is, is they start to realize, oh, man, I just said should. Because should is an indication that I want something to be other than the way it is. It's a fantasy, yeah. right? Yep. You know, well, well, I should be able to, you know, uh, take care of my family right now. Or I should be able to do this. Or, you know, I, I should be able to handle this on my own. Just like you said, that's that's not the reality. The reality is that right now things are not as good as they possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And you can get to that place. But but should is one of those trigger words um, that the more you pay attention to it, 
it's an indicator that you're not addressing the reality of the situation and you're trying to impose your fantasy or some mm. rule that you heard from somewhere. If we had a t-shirt with all the rules of the way things should be in the world, it'd be front, back, sideways, everything else. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's a, great, uh, a, a great way of looking at it. And again, independently, you, you, came up, you come up with that. You realize that through a lot of the, the, the reading that you're doing and the guests. Uh, and again, that has to do with veteran mental health and wellness. And you're not even a mental health professional. I, I love that too. I love um, I, I appreciate what you said about not eliminating it. I think that's great too. It's like not eliminating that word should. It's it's using awareness to realize that. And it, it made me think of um, you know, I, I, I'm starting to have that awareness around always or never. And oh, usually, you know, I think that like I say my, absolutely a lot, but I hate yep. absolutes because there's <laughs> no such thing as absolutes. Yeah. Yep. And I notice now, like, um, I catch myself most often, like, if I'm starting to get in an argument with my wife, it's like, well, you, I'll tell her, like, you always do this, or you never do this. And I'm starting now to catch myself and be like, oh, that's probably bullshit. That's probably, this is probably a sign that I'm not being honest, and I'm not being realistic, and I'm overlooking things. I like that thought with, with should as well, or shouldn't, is like, oh, maybe there's something going on here where there's this automatic response, and that this deserves a little bit more investigation. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. I think we could go on for hours. I think we had a, a bunch of episodes identified, and we only talk about one of them. But I'll make sure to to link to a lot more in the show notes. Um, so uh, I'd like you to tell the guests maybe a little bit about what you're doing, where they can find you, and some projects you have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And in a couple episodes, I'll throw out too is um, I would encourage people to check out number sixty four. It's with Anthony Garcia. He founded a company called Guidon. He's got some incredible stories about racking up two hundred forty thousand dollars in debt starting this company, and uh, in in the span of twenty four hours getting funding. But he also talks about his own struggle with PTSD, and also something we didn't talk about today, which is um, a lot of the people I interview um, face a tremendous amount of guilt of I'm here doing my thing now in the civilian sector and my brothers and sisters are still out there. Um, and and he talks about guilt a lot. I think the number 64 with Anthony Garcia is really worth listening to. Also, um, episode number 123 just came out with um, uh, not a veteran, but uh, Dr. Dan Libby. He runs the Veterans Yoga Project. We dive into a couple skills that I think are really helpful for um, for any veteran to, to, to learn. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I'm doing, most of my time is spent on my company Storybox. Um, we do marketing software. With Beyond the Uniform, I'm, I'm trying to branch out even further into um, I'm interviewing someone pretty soon about franchises which I think is something that vets would um, do really well at we're starting to look at real estate commercial and residential real estate um, just trying to find as many careers as possible so that if you're wondering what you want to do next you can look and just start to it's the equivalent of coffee chats you know it's like listening in your car as you drive and it's the equivalent of having a coffee chat with another vet who's been there and done that for a potential career for you and, and then, another thing that I, I think is really beneficial justin is that the guests that you have on are accessible and they're willing to support other veterans yes um i know that you and i have connected you connected me and tim uh, yep. I connected you and Justine, I think, and and so and and so veterans can go on just like I did with David and, and definitely with Tim and, and some of your other guests. As I reached out and said, "Hey, I heard you on Justin's podcast. Do you have a few minutes?" And it usually turns into be more than a few minutes. But a lot of your guests, um, I think, have even indicated to you, "Yeah, I'll jump on with another veteran because yep. it is that satisfying piece." Yes, absolutely. And, and it's it's mind boggling for me. Like I've interviewed the CEO of Pepsi. I've inter interviewed NFL players. I've interviewed uh, people who have sold their company to Google for half a billion dollars. All of these people are so willing to take the time to help out veterans. And, um, you know, you email, I would say for those of you listening, if you, you know, you reach out to people, 
People are busy, but you email three different vets. Maybe two of them are going through something crazy and, and maybe miss your email, but the, the third one will take it. And, and I guarantee you 100% of them want to help you. It's just that sometimes life and busyness gets in the way, emails get buried in inbox, and so if someone doesn't respond, I'm betting with 99% certainty they want to help and maybe just got distracted, but that's why it's, it's helpful to kind of, it's just a numbers game. Reach out to three people and one of them is sure to respond, and all of them are definitely have that intention of helping you because that veteran, that veteran bond and tie is so strong. That's great. So where can they find you on the web, on social media? Yeah, um, best way is at beyondtheuniform.io, or if you email me, justin at beyondtheuniform.io. Um, that's an easy way to get a hold of me. It may take me a week or two to get back to you, but I will get back to you. You'll, you can find me on LinkedIn, Justin the Siri. Um, those are probably the best ways. Great. Well, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show today, Justin. Again, not not being a, a, a mental health professional, but having the experience of, of interviewing you know, over 120 veterans uh, and, and those who support veterans, um, that, that the idea of mental health emerges from that. So I really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the work you're doing. Yep. So, uh, so that's it, folks. We look forward to, uh, to hearing your comments. You can find us on the show notes at VeteranMentalHealth.com or ChangeYourPOV.com. Uh, And uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks. So there you have it, folks. Another uh, episode of Headspace and Timing. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. You know, Justin uh, really brings a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all the interviews that he's done uh, on the Beyond the Uniform podcast. Uh, I really like how Justin had uh, repeatedly, I think, said, uh, that it's really more about the mindset uh, than the skill set when it comes to veteran transition. And this is something that I really try to, to get the point across, that when we talk about transition, uh, it, we need to understand about the foundation of how we see things and how we view things, our mental health, our mental health and wellness. And, and veteran mental health doesn't mean uh, being broken, doesn't mean being damaged. Um, it means that uh, we veterans, uh, those who served, have a different way of looking at the world. And Justin talks about that uh, pretty frequently. You know, I also like how he said that we should look at uh, mental health through the lens of contribution, Uh, really looking at uh, if we're not the best that we can possibly be, how can we possibly contribute to to the world around us, to our family, to our friends. Uh, And so getting things straight, getting our headspace and timing set correctly uh, can help us contribute to a greater degree uh, rather than uh, keeping things back. Uh, and then he also talked about the uh, tendency of veterans to be action-oriented, you know, the, the tendency for us to just get things done and uh, move forward and blast through and uh, do stuff like that. And, uh, and, and it's not always necessary. It probably was necessary. It definitely was necessary when we were in the military, but it's not necessary anymore. It's no longer necessary that we, you know, bash down obstacles Uh, all the time. Uh, Maybe there is a point where we have to do that. Think at the very end how we talked about the comfort, uh, the comfort zone of the veteran being wildly different than the comfort zone of those who hadn't served. Um, Once again, Justin really demonstrates uh, sort of uh, the understanding. What I try to get across is that uh, veterans see the world differently. We experience the world differently and there's nothing wrong with that and there's everything right about that. So uh, appreciate you taking the time to listen. Feel free to find uh, Justin's information, uh, look at uh, uh, beyondtheuniform.io and, and check out what he has to talk about. And, uh, and I look forward to talking to you next week. The struggle is real, found a piece of lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that try to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability So there you have it, folks. Another episode of Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to changing your perspective on veteran mental health. I'd like to thank Doc Todd for giving us permission to use the track Not Alone from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc's a guy who's trying to bring the discussions about veteran mental health 
out of the darkness and into the light, and you need to check him out. Head over to therealdoctod.com to purchase the album and support the cause. You're not alone, veterans. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.